Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. Thank you guys so much. It's, it's such an honor and a privilege to be here uh, with, with family and uh, to speak to you guys. And first of all, uh, Pastor and Pastor, if you're still watching, maybe you watched first service, I don't know, do your vacation thing, have fun. But either way, thank you so much um, for giving me the opportunity to share your pulpit. It's just a tremendous honor and a blessing. I just, I appreciate it. It's such a, a weighty privilege to me. And um, I thank you for just every way you guys have shaped and formed and mothered and fathered me and um, all that you've done for me and so many people here. I just thank you and we honor you. And, um, and I also want to thank my beautiful wife. Her name's Kellyanne Thomas. A lot of you know her. Um, she's a worship leader here. She hasn't been around in a while because uh, we have two little cute, squishy chunks of twin boy at home that we're raising. They're about a month old now. And um, she's there taking care of them, uh, outnumbered, but doing amazing. And uh, thank you, sweetheart, for taking care of them. I've, I've, I've really never seen anyone care for a human like my wife cares for them. It's, it's, it's breathtaking. It's incredible. So uh, honor her when you see her because uh, twins ain't easy. Amen. <laughs> And also, I'd like to thank you guys um, for just going after God with me, because we're always learning together. Amen. Amen. So our, our series that we're kicking off today, um, I get to kick it off. It's, it's awesome. It's called Yes and Amen. amen. And this about the promises of God. Yes and Amen. That's right. I like it. It's stirring in here. I like it. I like it. Because uh, we want to be certain about the promises of God, right? Not maybe. Yes. Not I hope so. Amen. And this series is about getting that certainty and getting those promises in us Amen. so they come out through us and change the world. Amen? Yeah. So we're going to jump today um, to, our, to our first scripture that's kind of framing this whole message, and that's Matthew 10, 27. It'll be here on the screen. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. It says, what I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. And now with, with this verse, um, this is something that uh, Pastor and I kind of talked about to really frame how we pray the promises of God. Not just think about or read or consider, but how we pray them and how we activate them in our life and, um, and through our life as well. So we're going to talk about that primarily today. And now if you're taking notes, the first thing that uh, I, I want you to, to write down is that uh, the promises of God are very, so very good. And a lot of times, and, you know, when we think about the promises of God, we think about things that uh, could be hard for us to accomplish. We think about, I'm not sure how it's going to work, or what if, what if my life disqualifies me? And I'm here to encourage you that the promises of God, they aren't, they aren't conditional based on you. It's not based on your righteousness. It's not based on, on your ability to live a certain way. They don't have anything to do with you other than they're for you. That's it. They're from God. And they and they're came straight from him, and they don't need our help to manifest. The only way that we can stop the promises of God is to not believe that they're for us. Other than that, the promises of God are unstoppable, and they're for us. Amen? Amen. So as you jump into this, I, wanna, I want to uh, go ahead and go to one of the first promises of God that we're going to talk about today, and that's Jeremiah 29, 11. You've probably heard this before. It says, I have plans to prosper you. Or for I know the plans I have you, excuse me, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. 
And I love this promise because uh, he's talking to people that are literally have lost their country and are in exile, the Israelites. They're being ruled by another nation that they don't want to be ruled by, and they're actually being forced into labor camps. Very, very bad situations. And still the Lord's saying, I know the plans I have for you. It gets better. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a hope in a future. And welfare, that's the same word as prosperity. He's not saying good stuff. He's saying thriving. I have plans to thrive you. And I just encourage you as we walk through this season as a church to expect yourself to thrive. Not to survive, not to be shifted some, to thrive. Because that is the plans that God has for us, is to thrive. And he also talks about a hope and a future. I think if we're being honest, a lot of us live a TikTok Christianity. You got any TikTokers in here? You have to raise your hand. And those people are like, yeah, I won't talk about that. But yeah, it's 30-second videos. Uh, it's kind of the new thing out in the app world, and uh, most of them are hilarious, but they're very short. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I think a lot of us live a TikTok Christianity. We have our 30 seconds where we felt gripped by God, where we had our moment with Him, and we're trying to build a life around that. I had this moment in worship. I had this moment where He spoke to me, and I'm, and I'm trying to grasp at that content and make it make me somebody or, or, or feel important or feel valued because of it. And what I'm telling you today is that God has so much more for you than your moment. So much more for you than your moment. He is holding the needle and he is sowing together an amazing life and future to you. And this moment is linked to all the other ones that he has given you and plans for you. Your life is not captured in your, in your moments that you have. As wonderful as they are, they're just a small part of who he actually is. He gives us a future and a hope. I don't know about you, but my 30-second moment don't give me much hope. I need more than that right? I'm getting much future. I need more than that because otherwise I'm like, oh man, I better make another video. I better have another moment. Or I don't have a future. And God wants us to be like reality TV. There's seasons and episodes and you see patterns. You know you watch those reality shows. None of you guys watch them. You're all Christians, right? You know you watch those reality shows and, uh, and you see patterns in people's lives. Like, man, that person always does that. Man, that person always acts that way. What's up with that? And that's what we want someone to see if they're watching our life over time. Because of the promises of God, man, they always have hope. Wow, that person always gives grace to people, even if it's not given back to them. Wow, that person always has an expectation for something better, even if they're not seeing it yet. And that's the kind of hope and future that I'm referring to today. And now I want to take time to look at another one of the promises of God. There's so many. We're going to focus on a few. And this is from Hebrews 6, 12, and 13. And it says, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators those through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Wow. Wow. This is like when God swears to God, episode one. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's deep. He has no other authority. That, that is deep. So he literally swears by himself because that's how important it is to the Father that his promises get in you. He will use his own authority, promise it by his own hand to get them in you. And it says that we become imitators of the faith. And the faith he's referring to is his own. As confident as God is that there will be sunlight tomorrow, the sun will rise tomorrow, we can be that confident in the promises he has given us. Isn't that amazing? That we can have that kind of confidence in him because he has that kind of confidence in himself. And God can't be stopped. So what I want to focus on here is uh, how we get there, and that's his mercy and his grace. 
Because his mercy, we, we like to think mercy and grace are the same thing. They're not. Mercy is his forgiveness for the sins that we don't deserve. Mercy is forgiveness we don't deserve for sins we committed. That's his mercy because there's nothing we can do about mercy other than ask for it. We cannot earn it. It's from his blood. It's from the bloodshed of Jesus Christ that we have mercy and forgiveness at all. Amen? But grace is different. It's different. We like thinking about, oh, mercy and grace. It's all, don't roll it together. Don't do that to God. There's more for you than just forgiveness. There's the whole other side of the cross, the resurrected life, which is fueled by grace. That's the ability to be transformed by who he is so that you're no longer the sinner who sinned and also no longer committing the things, the sins that hold you back. You're now living in righteousness because God has changed you on the inside. Grace is that inside job that he does with time with him. Amen? So I want us as a church in the season to begin to reach for his grace, not just his mercy. Not to say I'm forgiven so I check my box off. I don't have to feel bad anymore. But no, I, wanna, I want grace so that this thing never has a hold on me again. So anyone struggling with this, I can say I already beat this thing and you can too because the grace of God transforming, it will transform you. How can I pray for you? How can I minister that to you because it's real in my life? And we got to hold on to the grace in order to walk in the promises because the promises are designed to transform us. But we'll get back to that later. And I, I want to go ahead and uh, transition here. These are only two promises in the Bible, which is full of them. It's full of them. These are just a couple that I've shared so far. And if we want to go from superficial talk about these promises, we like to declare these things to them being an indwelling reality, real in here, then we have to, like I was talking about earlier, pray through faith, expecting that Jesus and his sacrifice actually bought us this reality of walking in his promises. And I don't have to say, oh, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. All I have to say is, no, no, you bought this for me. You accomplish it. I don't have to. I don't have to strain my brain and clench my fists to accomplish his promises. They're already done for me. They're already done for us. So we let them enter our lives. We don't try and squeeze them into our lives. Amen? You see that shift? It's a subtle shift, but it does change everything. That's the difference between grace and, and striving. And the next thing I want to point your attention to is in his promises, we find his nature. And now let's look at the Greek word promise. This will help us learn more about God. It's epigalia. I practiced that one. It's, uh, it's guaranteed by his own eternal law. That's what that means. It means that God literally has decided this thing is settled. What I promise will happen, and nothing is in my way to make it happen. So I want to encourage you today that if you're looking for certainty in God, you can find it through finding his promises. Because where his promises are, there is certainty. His promises are actually yes and amen. He guaranteed it himself. And no devil in hell, no man on earth, no body's free will can stop the promises of God from happening. The only thing that can stop them is our unbelief. If we believe he paid for them on the cross for us to have, then they are ours. It's really that simple. The news is really that good. And now, I don't want to spend my time in my life praying for jobs and, and money and, and cars and, and, and stuff and, and getting so focused on these outcomes that I'm not actually knowing him. Because in his promises are his nature. And he guarantees his nature by his own eternal law. His, his, us knowing him is so important that he makes it unstoppable for his nature to be revealed in our life. It's so important to him. So I want to spend my time 
trying to grasp at these conditional things that I can't control and often depend on another man's free will. And even God is not going to let a man not have his free will. I can't make the job hire me. I can't make my boss pay me more. I can't make a car appear. I can't. And sometimes God's not interested in those things either. Sometimes he is, but sometimes he isn't. And we have to be okay with that and understand that the promises he has are more important than the stuff I can get from him. They're more important. They're a greater reality than the things that I can just try and pull down from heaven through my prayers. Because when you have his promises, if you don't get it, then you're fine. I don't have to be good with stuff because God made me good because he's good. Because he died on the cross and his goodness becomes my goodness and I don't need anything because of it. I don't need anything in this world. Everything I get is a gift. Nothing's a need. Because all my needs are provided for in my Father, and I already know that. Amen? We get to the place where we understand these things that we're asking for are just not that important in his eyes. They're just not that important in his eyes. And yet sometimes he gives them to us anyway because he's just that nice. God answers our prayers for stuff that don't have to do with his promises because he's just that nice. But he, he wants to guarantee his promises over us, and we have to make that shift in our priorities to value the promises more than the stuff we can get. And now the word promise is interesting. It also has a historical tense is what it's called. That means when someone said promise, when the New Testament was written, people understood that that meant, oh, that's all the promises of God, all the way from Adam, the first man, all the way to Jesus. It's kind of this envelope term, you know? Like another one, a good one uh, for this time of year is taxes. Not just, you know, you may get a return or you may owe government money. It's you got to fill out the forms. You might have to talk to your accountant. You know what I mean? We, all the things that are involved in taxes, I got to make sure I get it in on time. I got to get my tax return in the mail. I got to set up my health care. You, you see what I'm saying? Like taxes have that kind of connotation to us today. Like, oh, there's all the stuff involving that. And promises, that word was like that when, when these scriptures were written. Oh, no, it's everything that God has ever promised people. And I thought, that's kind of weird that it's like that. And I asked God, why is it like this? And he answered me, which is always good. And he said, because my nature doesn't change. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool. And then I started to research this more in Scripture and see what I could really find about who he is because I always want to find who he is. I don't just want a, a, a little touch of grace here, a little touch of faith there. I want, I want, I want him. I want to know him. I want to know him, so I'm not asking for a touch anymore because when you know him, how many of you know your cup overflows? You stop asking for touches because you always have enough. You always have more than enough. And you're looking, not where can I get it, where can I give it? Because I got too much grace. I need, I'm leaking. I need to give some of this away. I got too much trust in him. I need to give some of this away to someone who doesn't trust. I got too much security. I need, I need to give away some identity to someone who, doesn't, who might not have it now. You know, when you, when, you, when you start living in his promises, you got too much, and you got to figure out where to give it, not where to get it. Amen? Well, look at this in the Bible for a moment. Joshua 1.9, it's another awesome promise. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, this is interesting. It says, be strong and courageous, meaning you got to do something in order for me to be with you wherever you go, which sounds a little scary, right? Well, good thing you're in a better covenant. Now, I want to I draw your attention to a similar promise in the new covenant. And that's Matthew 28, 20. This is the last words of Jesus before he ascended and gave us the Holy Spirit. And how many of you know last words are important? People save the important stuff for the end. 
And it says, teaching to observe them all that I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now notice how it's no longer about being strong and courageous and doing right. He's just with you. It's a better covenant. And I want to encourage you as, as you, as you learn these promises of God, understand that because Jesus died for us, there's a greater understanding, there's a greater revelation, there's a greater access to who he is, far, far, far greater than the old covenant, and that is good news. Because before, as you have to act right, I'll be with you. And now it's, I'll be with you no matter what you do. It got better. Amen? It got better. And now I want to show you some other promises where it's the same, but it got better. Jeremiah 29, 11. We just talk about this one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And then a similar promise, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now you see how, how it's the same promise, essentially, but still better. Because in the first one, he says, I, I won't harm you. I have plans for good stuff. And the second one, he says, all things work together for your good. And I just want to encourage you to, if you feel like there's something in your life that's irredeemable, the blood of Jesus bought it. The blood of Jesus bought it. Well, what I did was really bad. No, 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 that will also be turned for your good. Well, I don't want to talk about that because I have too much shame. Well, we'll, we'll put the shame away because that will also be used for your good. Well, I don't want anyone to find out about this. Well, devil's a liar. If people find out and love you anyway, that will also be used for your good. It's for your good. It's for your good. Everything is for your good. That's who he is. All things for the good of those who love him. All you gotta do is love him. And the more you look at his promises, it's easier just to love him. Because he's just a really good God with really good promises. And if you let him become real to us, oh man, you're just gonna have a happy, awesome life. And now Psalms 102, 103, excuse me, two, for, two through three is another one of these promises about forgiveness, one of my favorite topics. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Now, I want to focus on the iniquities part. Now, this is David writing almost 3,000 years before Jesus came. He's a little early in the game for understanding forgiveness, because David was under a system of the law, which is condemnation. The law was designed to show you where you failed. That's how it was made. And the reason it was made that way is that we would welcome a Savior, who's Jesus, right? It was made that way because it set people free for generations to come. We're all living in the fruit of the law being a system that shows where we fail because Jesus says, you didn't fail, I forgave you. I'm not disappointed with you, I forgave you. I'm not upset with you, I'm happy because I'm always in a good mood because I made you and I love you and I'm so happy when you spend time with me. That, that's, that's who Jesus is. It's not who the law was. So David saw that he forgave, but again, in the new covenant, it gets better. Romans 6, 10 through 11. I really love this one. Through the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Talking about Jesus. Even so, consider yourselves, that's us, to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is such a, this is such a good promise. It's not just he forgives your sins. It's not just, oh, God will just splash some mercy in your life so you feel better. No, 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 no. The man or the woman who sinned died. They died with it. They died with it on the cross of Jesus Christ. You are not tied to your sin. That is a dead person. It's a dead work and a dead person. Are you guys getting this? Sin does not become your life. It actually died. His forgiveness is so complete that he wants no part of our sin in our life because he already murdered it with his blood. 
He already killed it with his blood. He doesn't want sin in our life because he, he says it's no more. And when we come alive in Christ, that is that grace transforming us so that we're no longer bound to these sins that we get so upset about. Amen. And now, if, if you're here today and you're like, man, I'm really upset about my sin. That makes me uncomfortable. I'm really glad that you care that you're sinning. I'm really glad that it matters to you that your life isn't lining up with who Jesus is and what he's bought for you. That's a good thing. Don't be ashamed. That's a good thing. But use it for your good. Use his grace for your good and say, no, 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 but his design is for me to be transformed, not to be sad. It's to be transformed, not to be condemned. And his grace transforms you. Amen? So if you're struggling with how you feel about your sin, that means you're on the right path. You're on the right path to be one who is transformed by the amazing grace of God through his love. So he's been giving us the same promises. We're seeing that here since the beginning of time. He hasn't changed. Our bank account changes. I wish it didn't, but it does. God doesn't change. Sometimes our friend groups shift and change. God doesn't change. Sometimes our, our brain and our mind, how we think and feel of ourselves changes. Mine changes a lot. And, but God doesn't change. Amen? And we got to see this juxtaposition in our life. Things I freak out about change, but God doesn't. So how can I be in him so I won't freak out? And actually trust God, you know? And that's the question. Will we take the time to know him by his promises? Because his nature is found in them. And the point of prayer is to know his nature for ourselves. Let grace work. Be transformed by it. And then, this is a good part, share it. Simple. Simple but revolutionary. But that comes through time of working out his promises. When no one's looking. That comes through time of knowing who he is through what he has promised in this word. This amazing word. And now the question is, how do we find these promises to speak into the light? Because the verse, this, this message just framed around says, you know, what's in the darkness speaking into the light. The question is, how do we find what to say into the light? And I'm here to help. <laughs> now we're going to look at uh, our next point. It says promises are found in the word in the community, in the encounter, and in the sharing. And we're going to break that down a little bit, okay? So the word, just like we're doing now. You go, you open your Bible, you open your heart, and you say, God, I want to believe who you say you are and who you say I am. Show me it in your word and help me to put the time in to pray it until it becomes more real than what I currently think. Yeah. So let me give you a little cheat code. What you currently think is probably not God's best for what he has for you. It's probably not. That's, not. that's not a knock against anyone. It's just there's more freedom than we have right now. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. In some areas of, of, of my life, and I'm sure in some areas of your life, you're like, wow, I've come a really long way. And I feel so much more free and so much more whole than I used to feel. And that's great. But there's still so much more freedom for you than you even have seen yet in that area. There's so much more of him we can never, ever find out. That's why heaven's eternal, because there's not enough time in any galaxy or stratosphere to know all of God's goodness. It takes forever. It's a good thing we can say we get forever, amen? Because we'll need it. It takes forever to know how good he really is. So promises are found in the word. And now we find our promises in the word. We have to attack that thing in prayer, and that looks like 
Father, I just thank you that even though I see this circumstance where this person's being mean to me, I don't have to revile evil for evil like your word says. I can actually walk in grace, God. Because your blood bought me, Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, that I am forgiven and that this person now owes me nothing because I owe you nothing because you bled and died for me, Jesus, and made me a free and a new man with a new nature and a new mind. And I am crucified with Christ and I have been brought up in his resurrection to be love and salt and light around me because you're a good God worth sharing. And I don't have a spirit of fear. I have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, and I choose to put that in the situation, God, and I thank you that you bought all these things for me through your blood because you're a good father. And then we go out and do the thing. Amen? That's just a little example of what it looks like to pray his promises, because it's not natural for us. It's a learned thing, but once we learn it, it does change everything in an amazing way. So this is promises in the word, and the word's a really good place to look, because Peter, Paul, and Matthew, and the gang, they knew some stuff, man. They knew some stuff about the promises because they heard the promise keeper talk in person. And they wrote it down. So let's go to the, to the place where the promise keeper has already spoken. That's the word. And it will help us form his promises in us and learn how to pray them through our lives. Amen? And now promises are also found in community. There's an amazing story I, I actually have with that. By the way, the burning room is an excellent place for community other than this service here. We're glad you're here. The burning room is awesome. That's where God releases stuff prophetically and speaks in your life, and it it will shift you. How many of my burning ones are in here? It will shift your life, man. There'll be fruit from the burning room and also from life groups. We have incredible life group leaders at our church. I'm so sad with with our kids being here. We haven't been able to be in life groups very much because, man, the life groups are awesome. God just drops in that room, and he shifts stuff in your heart, and you go away. It's like, yeah, I got this. I'm going to shine now because I got encouraged in my life group. It's, it's so, so good. So it's a place of community where, where we find his promises, where we hear something from God and say, hmm, let me go in my community and see what's happening there. Oh, it's the same thing. Cool. God's talking to me. I can hold on to this now. I don't have to wonder or be uncertain or be moved to and fro. I can hold on to this thing because community also said what I was hearing. And I have a really amazing example of that. Um, we were, I was in the burning room one day, and our car was really, really broken. We had gone to one mechanic, and he said, I don't know what's wrong with it. And we said, that's not helpful, and you charge us money. Not cool, man. And we went to another mechanic, and he said, I don't know what's wrong with it. We said, that's not helpful. And I, I sat down on Google, and I prayed. I was like, Jesus, show me the best mechanic for this kind of car there is. And I was like, I think it's that guy. He's like, I worked on this car for 30 years. And I was like, cool. And, and he's like, what's wrong with it? He goes, I don't know. And I was like, oh, my gosh, man. No one knows what's wrong with this car. So the car was dead. Sometimes a car breathes its last, and there's nothing you can do about it. And our car breathed its last. So we're carless, and we're trying to sell the parts, and it's like, oh, it's broken. The parts aren't worth anything. It's like, cool. Now we don't get any money for it either. This is not going well. And we have two newborns on the way, our twin boys, so we need a good car for them, and now we don't have one. So it's tough. And I walk into burn room one day, and uh, our favorite prophetess around here, who we know as Sarah Pagano, uh, was, was, she's blushing now, sorry, was... was uh, was given a word about how they had had some things happen in their life, and God was saying it's collection time for the promises of God. Things have been held up. You're going to collect. And I was like, good for everyone else. My car's still broken, God. I didn't take that thing at all. I was like, not for me. It's for them. Good for them, you know. And then, and then I went home, and while I was feeling sorry for myself, I opened my Bible. Whew. Man, don't open your Bible when you're feeling sorry for yourself. The word will correct you. And what did it say? The just shall live by faith. I was like, oh, man. Oh, my heart hurts, God, because you have so much more for me. I'm not living in it. 
So I said, okay, God, I'm going to live by faith. I said, something good is going to happen. That's a little bit of faith, you know. I should ask for a car. But I was like, something good is going to happen. I just left it there. What happened a month later? Someone blessed us with a brand new car that had almost no miles on it. It was so much better than the other one that we had. Out of nowhere and just could not believe it. Such a gift. And that was where I heard a promise in community and said, okay, God, I think this is you. I think uh, the just shall live by faith, so I'm going to have faith. Even though I don't know what's going to happen, I'm just going to have the faith. And then he made the thing happen. We try and make the thing happen, we don't have the faith. And that gets weird. Just have faith and let God make the things happen. Amen? Amen? So we are a family chasing after God's promises. And his promises are also found in encounters. Now, anyone who knows me for any length of time knows that I am really, really, really about some encounters. Love, love, love it. If you're looking for me in worship, I'll be the front. If you're looking for me in, in prayer, I'll be screaming, God, please encounter me. That's me. Every, every day I ask. Every day I get up and I ask. The first thing I do is, I'm, good morning, Holy Spirit. I'm here. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Encounter me. Come on. I'm ready every day. And my wife's like, you're doing that again tomorrow? I'm like, yep. <laughs> I do it every single day because I, I believe these encounters transform me and transform the people around me and transform us. That's why. But with that being said, Encounters can be a dangerous place to try and form the promises of God in yourself. Because we don't know what we don't know. It gets weird. The Word of Faith movement is, I love them. They've got kind of weird on it. You know, you can name it and claim it and whatever you want, you can just grab it because faith works and you just ask God for it. No, my father's not a vending machine. He's my father. And I'm his son. And I sit at his table and have a relationship with him. And if he gives me nothing, he's going to heal my heart. And if he gives me something, it's out of the overflow of his kindness, and I'll thank him, and I'll know him more for it, not use him for it. Amen? Amen. 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 He's not a lever that we pull. He's a, he's a man that changes our hearts. He's, he's, he's burning love in all its perfection. When Jesus looks at you in the eyes, and you see those eyes of fire piercing through you, you have, it's like you have no choice but to surrender and say, you can have this life. Because I can never find a love like that anywhere else. So while we love encounters, don't make that your sole source of his promises because you'll probably get off track. If you have something encounter you think's a promise, run it through the word. Run it through this community because guess what? Then God will filter that thing and show you if it's real or not. Otherwise, it might just be something that you want. And it's okay to want things. God actually tells us to want things. But it's not okay to want something and call it a promise when God never signed his name off on it. Amen? Amen. And I have a great example of this in my own life. So you don't have to feel bad about what you might have done because uh, I got problems too. <laughs> it's about eight weeks ago. I was uh, in an opportunity season. I thought, well, I'm going to get this awesome opportunity. This is perfect for my family. It's just good timing. God, you're so good. It's going to be mine. Except it wasn't. He called me back and said, no, nah, we're not going forward with you. And I was like, that's bad. That's bad. I need this financially. I need, I need this in every way, and it's not here. And I just pouted for like three or four days, and my wife had to mom me and, and all that good stuff. You know, I was, I, was, I was torn up. It hurt really bad. And then this incredible thing happened one day when I was uh, continuing to complain about God. He, he's a good listener, man. I complain, and he just listens anyway. It's like, I don't know why you do that, but I'm glad you do. Um, and, and he told me, how long are you going to weep? over this opportunity. And I just, and I saw those eyes I was talking about. I saw Jesus' eyes just lock eyes on me, and I was just like, oh. 
your love. How long am I going to weep? You, you tell me. I don't know anymore. I just want to stop doing what I'm doing and find you. I just want to stop. When he asks you a question, the answer is probably not what I thought, you know? I just want to find you. And he said, I'll give you my heart, and I'll give you a better opportunity than you thought you were going to get. Only a good God can give you both, amen? But I'll take the heart first. And I thought, man, that's really significant. And you know what happened? I went, I went in that Bible again, and all oh, that dangerous Bible. I read Matthew 6, and the first thing I saw is I said, seek first the kingdom, and all these things we add unto you. And I said, oh, Jesus, I repent, God, for not seeking the kingdom first, Lord, for loving an opportunity more than you, God. I just give my heart, I give my life back to you, Lord. This opportunity doesn't identify me. It doesn't define me. It doesn't mean anything to me other than it's your goodness or it's not from you at all, and I don't even want it, Lord, because you're a God worth loving and following. I'm just going to come back to being your son because it's the most valuable thing I can do with my life. No paycheck can equal sonship. No relationship, no matter how loving or amazing they are, can equal sonship. Nothing can equal sonship. Being a son of your Father God who is so good and amazing and who loves deep intimacy with us. Amen? And another way that we find the promises is through the sharing. And this one's funny because uh, you think you really got a promise wrapped. Like, yeah, faith, I got this, you know. And then you share it with someone, you're like, ooh, that sounded crazy. Maybe I don't got this so good, you know. And that's freedom for you because it makes us realize, man, I can actually be transformed more so this thing's more real in my life. And it's not about how good I'm doing anymore. It's about how good he did on the cross. And I'm okay. <laughs> I don't have to cry and freak out and be scared anymore because I have power, love, and a sound mind, not fear. And we learn that as we share it. Another example of this in my life, I was uh, on a trip in India, which was really cool. I mean, churches meet in basements of warehouses because, you know, there's real persecution there, and it's, it, was, it was just an amazing opportunity. And the first day I got to preach, which, which was such a privilege, and then they bring people up for prayer, and uh, I wasn't as ready for that as I thought. I preached about, you know, faith for miracles, and that's who God is, and I was, it was seven years ago. I was a lot younger um, in, in that area now than, than I am, and this, this brought this girl up, and she was like six years old. And I was like, man, she's really pregnant. But I thought, no, she's not. She's too young to be pregnant. And the parents said, oh, she has a, a parasite. And it literally, she was like nine months pregnant. Her stomach was like way out here. And being the great man of faith I am, I said, I'm sorry to hear that. I got to go to the bathroom. Because I'd, I did not have that, this thing worked out in me to say, oh, yeah, let me pray for you. I, I didn't. I, I went to the bathroom, and I went to the bathroom, and I broke down in tears. And I said, God, you have to change me. You have to change me, God, because that girl deserves your healing, and I'm not ready to give it, but you are, and you have to shift my heart right now and shift my mind right now because she's worth it. She's worth it. I don't know what's wrong with me, but you do, and fix it because she's worth it. And I went back out there, and she's still standing there, and everyone in the church is watching me walk back up, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm still on display. This is scary. And I thought, no, 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 I'm going to focus on him. And Jesus said, my grace bought this. And I walked up to her and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command this belly to go in. And it went, and it shrunk right in. And her parents' eyes were like this. And she starts crying her eyes like this. And people start running up to the front to get healed. And we blind eyes open. And there was incredible, incredible miracles that broke out through our prayer team. And it's not because I'm special. It's not because we're anointed. It's because, it's because I decided to believe a promise of God that his faith is for real and let it change me instead of me trying to change it. And then incredible things happen where the gospel is presented to people and they accepted Jesus. 
And it's not about you. It's about him being made manifest in you. Amen? Amen. Now I'm finishing up here. Next thing I want to focus on here is uh, the promises are the way to transformation. And I want to look at Romans 12.2 for a second. This kind of illustrates a transformational process. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And now as you pray the problems, this is what happens. It starts up here. Like in my example, oh, I believe faith for miracles, just not that one. You know what I mean? And I had to say, wait a second, there's something wrong with that. I need to, I need to change here. And I went in the bathroom and God changed me here. And then walking back up to pray for her, God started to filter it down to my heart and change me here. Where this, this miracle need and what this girl deserves is more real than what I am feeling about how I can't do it. It's more real than the fear that I have that it might not happen. It's more real than my limitations. Because Jesus bought it and Jesus formed it in me, not me. So it's not up to me, it's up to him. And he guarantees his promises by his own eternal law. Amen? And so it gets in your mind and it transforms you in your heart. And that's when you got it. And you know when you've got it because the, the thing happens you're afraid of. In my case, the thing was, oh, someone's going to have something really bad I'm not going to want to pray for. And I freaked out, man. And then I came back up changed, and it happened. Why? Because my heart got transformed. I got it. I caught it in my heart in that moment. And something that takes time to catch in your heart, but take the time to catch it in your heart. Please, I need you to see this. Take the time. Take the time, especially with fear and anxiety. Take the time to capture power, love, and a sound mind in your heart. We live in an anxious time, an anxious time in our country and in the world. And and, and that's okay because we are meant to be peace in an anxious time. But that comes through this heart shift where you see the thing that freaks you out or the the traffic accident, whatever it is you're scared of, you see it and you say, it's well with my soul, Jesus, because I've taken the time to know you. And I know that you're not a, a God of fear or confusion. You give me power, love, and a sound mind. And I just thank you, God, that you've given me peace beyond all understanding. If I don't deserve it or earn it because you're such a good father and you give freely of the things that I need. And I just thank you I can ask you, God, I'm seeing with you in heavenly places, not in the fear of this world. You see it? You getting it? That's how we pray. That's how we get the promises from here to here. And then once they get here in our heart, guess what? Start releasing, releasing them in the world. Now I've got a hold of this thing. I'm going to give it away. Who needs peace? I'm here. Who needs healing? I'm here. Jesus is here through me. I'm a vessel and I'm ready to work. Who needs joy? I'm here and I've overcome depression because I've realized that greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. And the problems in the world are small to me and the Jesus in me is huge. So I'm not depressed anymore. I'm not depressed anymore. We need to be careful, church, within our healing. Because it's easy to say, well, I'm working through the process. And you are and God bless you. But you, you shouldn't be working through the same process in five years. At some point, it's faith. you got to grab it by faith and say, oh, no, 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 I'm in this process, but I am going to come out in peace, in light, in victory, because, Jesus, you already bought it for me. I don't have to earn it by time trying to get better. You bought it for me. I have to believe that you did. Your breakthrough takes as long as it takes you to believe that it's real to Jesus, and he already bought it for you. That's it. And if you can't get it that way, then guess what? You're probably not supposed to get it. It's probably not that important. You should ask him what is important. And love that. Because he, he, what he gives us matters. Not what we feel. What he gives us matters. Amen? And now the, as he promises, transform us. Here's what happens. 
they get tested, and we realize what we're made of, and then eventually we pass. And then other promises we see in the Word, we say, oh, man, I want that in my life. And we, and we start to pray it and say, God, I, just, I need that in my life. Change me. And he, and he deals with things in our life, and he changes us, and then they get tested again, and then we pass. And then we got all these testimonies now just piled up of the things that, the tests that we've passed. The enemy tried to sift us like wheat, but we prospered anyway. And then at some point you say, well, I guess I'm just built for prosperity. I'm just going to live in that. I ain't got to keep worrying about what test I'm going to pass. I'm just going to live in the prosperity because, God, it's already here because I keep passing the tests that are put in front of me. You keep overcoming the devil through me, so I'm just going to live in it. Amen? And I want us to live in prosperity as a body. And we do that by praying his promises. Not just the stuff we need or like, but his promises. Because his promises are, in fact, yes and amen. And then our life and our heart becomes yes and amen. And then it shifts everything in us and everything around us. Where people start seeing Jesus through us and say, yes and amen, I want that too. Amen? So if you could stand with me, I want to pray for you guys. And then also make an invitation. So Father, in Jesus' name, oh man, I just feel, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. Wow, so, so strong right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that he's not just the conviction, he's the illuminator of the promises that you've desired to put on the inside of us, God, that you paid the price of your life, God, for us to know your nature, believe it, and share it with the world and be transformed by it in the name of Jesus. And I ask right now in Jesus' name, you begin that transformational stirring in people stirring in people right now in Jesus' name. I just see people catching a revelation about depression right now. I see it. I see it so clearly that, that depression is not, this, it's not this self-made thing. It's an attack from the devil. You don't have to identify with it anymore. That Jesus crucified the depressed man or woman on the cross and gave you joy everlasting. That's what his word says and I just see someone catching a revelation of that right now and saying, I don't have to be depressed anymore. That's a dead person. I'm going to let him die. I'm going to be the live person that doesn't have to be sad anymore. And I even see someone seeing their counselor and they're saying, how would you make so much progress so fast? And say, let me tell you about Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. Wow. Ha. You're fired, Jesus, on the promises of our lives. God, I ask you to provoke people to pray. What it is you want to form in them so they may release it in the world. And if you feel like there's things stirring in your mind right now, let him form promises in you. And I, and, I, and I even see people, I'm almost done here, I even see people that are looking in one direction and convinced that it's God. And I see him turning them around and saying, my son and daughter, I love your enthusiasm, but this is so much better. Come this way. That is a temporary feeling. That's TikTok. This is reality. This, this, is, this is my fulfillment for you. This is what I pierced my body of my son and gave his blood and gave his life for you to walk into this right here. And I see people going in one way and turning around and they're calling and staring them in the face. So that's you. Just, just, just You'll feel it in your body and receive it right now. And also I'd be remiss today if I didn't offer the greatest promise in the entire book, in the entire kingdom, that's salvation through the shed blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to offer that right now. If there's anyone in here who's hearing this and saying, man, I just feel so unstable and, and these, these promises are for me. But I, but I, I don't know him who, who spoke these promises. I, I don't know him. Maybe even you felt like you knew him, but you want to rededicate yourself to knowing him. You want to make it fresh. With every head bowed and eye closed, I just ask right now, if that's you, that you'd raise your hand. Not to make it funny or weird, but just, just to say, yes, that's me. Thank you, Jesus. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. And, and I just want to pray this prayer together. For anyone that, that might be. Let's just pray this as, as a family right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I welcome you into my heart. I welcome you into my life. I choose to believe today that all my sins died because Jesus died for me on a cross 2,000 years ago. Even the person that sinned died. And because you rose from the grave three days later, Jesus, I'm new. And I choose to believe that I'm new. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. And I receive your Holy Spirit to empower me to live this life for you and share it with others. Amen. Give it up for the word this morning. Hallelujah. Man, such a good day. Such a good day. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling encouraged. Feeling encouraged. The the promises that God has for our life, for each and every one of us, are good. Are good, and, and it's by grace that we can come into and grab onto these promises. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you need prayer today, if you need prayer in your body, if you had a tough week, maybe you're, just, you're looking for a job, or, or maybe you prayed that, that prayer of salvation for the first time or just rededicated your life to Jesus. We have people up here who want to pray with you. So if you need prayer today, don't leave without getting prayer. And if you are a first-time guest, I just want to thank you for joining us today. We have people in the lobby who would love to meet you. So say hello to them on their way out. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time this morning. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with us. And we'll see you next week. Have an amazing day.